Hello everyone, welcome back to the Knowledge Group podcast. We're taking a forward look at what speakers are covering at upcoming Knowledge Group events. This time we're turning our attention to securities and shareholder litigation and what lies ahead in 2019. We're going to be going live with the webcast Tuesday, February 19th, running between 12pm and 2pm Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be joined by a panel composed of Michael Hefter, a partner at Hogan Lovells, Alexandra S. Purarch, counsel at Troutman Sanders LLP, and Joni S. Jacobson, a partner at Deckard LLP. More information about our panel, as well as information on how to sign up for this webcast, will be found in the description box down below. You'll also find the code PODCAST25, getting you 25% off that first webcast purchase. Let's turn things over to our speakers now. So this is Michael Hefter. I'm a litigation partner at Hogan Lovells uh, in New York. Uh, and my practice is primarily focused on complex commercial litigation with a focus on securities, corporate go- governance, and M&A litigation. Uh, and I'm very happy to be talking to all of you about uh, trends and the changing character of securities litigation um, in 2019. Um, What I'd be focused on is looking at uh, securities filings in 2017 and 2018 and trying to figure out what has led to an increase in securities cases being filed, uh, as well as uh, an increase in the size of the alleged losses uh, alleged in securities litigation. And looking at the the 2017 and 2018 data in the legal landscape and trying to predict what would happen in 2019, I I think my view uh, and what I'll explain is that I see a trend continuing of securities litigation continuing uh, to uh, grow. Um, And what I'll be talking about is looking at some of those trends and my co-panelists will be looking at uh, the trends as well and uh, delving deeper into some of, some of the cases. But um, there, there are three things that I would focus on. Uh, one is uh, what is the nature of the securities litigation that's being alleged? We've seen an increase in, in uh, merger drop cases, merger objection cases being filed in federal court. Uh, that may be a, a factor of some recent Delaware cases that uh, we'll talk about. We've seen an increase in event-driven type of litigation, um, whether that relates to uh, you know allegations that involve the, the Me Too movement or more of your garden variety corporate uh, issues that come up, for example, Johnson & Johnson being alleged that uh, the, the, the talc in their uh, powder is somehow poisonous, um, that, that those type of things leading to uh, securities litigation. Uh, and looking at all those trends and seeing how what uh, 2019 will hold for us in the, in the securities litigation field. This is Alex Pirock. I'm a litigator at Troutman Sanders in Atlanta. My practice focuses on complex commercial litigation as well, which includes a lot of experience with securities and shareholder litigation and related board investigations. And so in my part of uh, this panel discussion, I'm going to delve uh, a bit deeper into two significant decisions from 2018 that will have a big impact on the defensive claims brought by plaintiffs under the Securities Act of 1933. 
uh, and those two cases are the Supreme Court Scion decision from March and then the Delaware, Delaware Chancery Court's Blue Apron decision just from December. Um, as the audience is probably aware, the Supreme Court issued a unanimous decision in Cyan that confirmed the state court's jurisdiction over claims under the 1933 Act, and, and namely Section 11 claims. And so I'll take a look at kind of how the securities laws developed such that we got to the point of a circuit split concerning state court jurisdiction over those claims that led to the Cyan decision, and then look at how the Cyan decision disrupts that securities litigation system that was in place um, and that Congress had put in place through the passage of the Reform Act and SLUSA, and that likely impact on defendants um, through, from the disruption. And then we'll take a look at the Delaware Chancery Court's decision in Blue Apron, which essentially rejects any attempt to uh, take an end run around Cyan by mandating federal jurisdiction over 1933 Act claims and a company's bylaws. Uh, that decision is an important development because it, it really strips corporations of the ability to control the forum for Section 11 claims and confirms that we're stuck with Cyan unless Congress does something. And so we'll talk about that and what companies can do given this landscape to protect themselves. Uh, Joni Jacobson, I'm a partner in the Securities Litigation Group at Deckert LLP. I'm located in Chicago, um, but my practice, um, I, I handle cases nationwide. And I practice pretty much exclusively in the securities fraud um, area, handling 10B actions, 14A, M&A litigation and um, all kinds of derivative suits. So my focus is going to be on a few key cases pending before the Supreme Court, two where petitions for cert have been granted and two where petitions for cert have been filed. Uh, the first being MUX, which is really the continuing story of Delaware courts shutting down disclosure-only settlements in M&A litigation, which has really forced um, plaintiffs to find other jurisdictions, namely other states, and federal courts. So the Supreme Court is going to resolve a circuit split on whether plaintiffs must allege negligence or intent in a Section 14A claim. So this decision obviously will have significant impact on M&A litigation going forward. Another of the Supreme Court cases where cert was granted is Lorenzo case. And uh, we'll discuss how um, that really involves whether an individual who is not a maker of a statement can nonetheless be held liable under scheme theory um, by merely distributing the challenge statement. And then we'll have uh, a brief discussion on the first solar case where um, petition for cert was uh, filed in August. Um, and that case involves loss causation. And I'm really hoping that the Supreme Court will grant cert to resolve this circuit split on whether plaintiffs must prove that loss was caused um, by the market's reaction to the fraud being revealed or not. Um, and I think of all the cases, this potentially has the most significant impact on the broadest number of securities cases. And then I'll also touch on the Toshiba case, which you know further um, explores the jurisdictional issues following more. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget more information about our panel 
and information to sign up for this webcast will be found in the description. You'll also find the code PODCAST25, getting you 25% off your first webcast registration. We look forward to seeing you on February the 19th, and until then, take care.